so I reiterate here, the bill is dead. The story of this great city is about the years before this night. I am Andy Curtin. I got Novavec today, but I'm bringing on a new co-host, comedian Seth Waters. How you doing, buddy? I am fantastic in spite of everything. I wanted to have you on for ages. This is exciting. Yeah, it's good to be here. How do people find you online? What are they? Uh, my my handle is uh, Seth Thinks Thoughts, but I've been told that's cumbersome to say, so I might need to change it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm and Andy Curtin. <laughs> At Andy Curtin on everything. And uh, also, we're releasing a Patreon this week. So if you check it out, patreon.com slash hohopod. We've got tons of stuff on there, bonus episodes and stuff like that. It's going to be really good. I'm pretty sure if I went to any website that was slash hohopod, my school's internet server would block <laughs> access to that page. Yeah, with that attitude. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair, 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 fair. So I've put a bonus app up. It's, the real, it's me and Muhammad talking about the real backstory of all the crap that we had to deal at the riff uh didn't really feel comfortable putting it out there for public consumption but uh yeah if you subscribe to the patreon account you can check that out and so guest on today i'm uh very excited to have on justin sweeting how you doing buddy it's very nice to have you here i'm good thanks i'm nervous to be in a room with two comedians that's the story of my life story of my life no but uh we're, we're bringing you on today because you are one of the great minds behind clock and flap ticket flap and uh, general music scene building in the city. So, uh, yeah, man, why don't we get to the beginning for you? Uh, you're born and bred, Hong Kong? I am, yep, yep. Born and bred. B- both of them. And uh, University? Uh, Here too? No, 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 no. no. So, oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 you fled for that. I, fl- I fled for university, but I, I lived at, at the Hong Kong University. My dad was a professor there, so... I thought you were getting to some really deep stuff very early. You did your research. Oh, no, no. No, I'm just clairvoyant. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, did you live as a child at HKU? I did. We lived on campus, which was an amazing place to grow up. It's, it's right on the um, kind of the corner of... Uh, it's beautiful. Conjet Road and Poshan Road, and there's a little road that goes down University Drive, and we were surrounded by hills and, and, and uh, kind of this... Uh, this kind of college environment that is very different to the West, but w- w- it was a very safe place. We had free reign, and, and we had um, yeah, we had space, and we had we had we had very good times. Do you do you find it like? Can you visually see how much it's changed since you were a kid? Like the in city? your mind, yeah. I mean, especially that area. hundred oh, percent. I mean, I used to look out of our balcony and have an unrestricted view of the harbor from up up, you know, at the top of the oh wow, basically. That that's not there anymore. No, it's not. It's not I'm I'm in it one of the towers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in one of the towers that's blocking your childhood dreams. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks. The view's great. It's uh, it's funny. I saw this thing. It was talking about like how memory works. Like if you, if you see something as a child and then you never see it again, or you go back to see it. You know, tw- 20, 30 years later, you have such a vivid ability to identify how it's changed. But if you see it all the time, the changes are just you know, incrementally being layered on and it's like most people cannot so easily recall how it's... I had that with a big parking structure in my hometown because I moved to uh, Vietnam for two years and when I went back for holidays, I just never ended up near that part of town and one day I was driving there and I had to stop because I thought I was lost (laughs) and there was massive, a five-story car park. But anywhere like that you like holidayed as a kid or something that you really got away from, it's like... Whereas like, you think about places that you you're in all the time i mean i have little kids little kids people like oh he's grown so much i was like has he (laughs) 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 looks the same as i remember him (laughs) (laughs) um and uh what do you what do you think has been like the i know it's hard to summarize in a sentence but like what do you think hong kong's changed a lot in the last couple of decades and what do you reckon are the big changes Hong Kong has changed massively in the in in, in the in, in those decades, um, and changed on all sorts of fronts. I guess it's a tough question. I know it is a tough question, but it's so interesting to think about. So, like in, in in the play, you know, the space I occupy in terms of in, in terms of the music scene. Let's say when when I was a kid, this was um, 
kind of, kind of one of the more arid landscapes to be a kind of music geek, which I was. Like at the time, you know, you could get we. There was one news agent that we knew of um, that that sold the Enemy and the Melody Maker, which would be six months old. Yet we would go down there religiously to buy this thing, and, and all the news that that would be would be it would be old. We would used to go to all the kind of record and CD stores and have to literally mark down how many copies of particular albums we wanted, and they would specifically order those in for us. And it, it was a in terms of live music, there just wasn't any. There was you know uh, the Fringe and the Watch and places like that were around. They, they did and they've been around nineteen eighty six, I think the Watch opened. Yeah, in. right. And, uh, amazing institutions, but. Um, there wasn't much diversity of music, so there was a lot of kind of heavy rock and metal going around at that time, and, and there was, um, the, you know, the, the, these scenes weren't fully developed. And in, in the local scene, there was, you know, there was kind of maybe a more kind of electronic pop edge coming from an underground, but, but still there wasn't, there, there weren't enough pieces in that puzzle to, to, to really have anything develop. Do you remember your first live show? 100%. So <laughs> the first live show we went to, I was, I was, I was probably 16 and uh, wedding present, this kind of post-punk band, this kind of cult post-punk band for, 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 uh, for the most odd reason ever played the Koshan Theater in Kowloon. And so me and all my friends who were all similarly musically obsessed, we all, we all, you know, piled down there together. And I remember so vividly this moment where, you know, so, sometimes a, a, a roadie or a, 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 one of the techs will come out and test the the, the music gear before a show came and the drum the drum tech came out just before the show and just hit the bass drum you know he just hit the bass drum and just made this boom and all of us were at the front of the stage and we ha- felt this feeling reverberate through our bodies which was like the most incredible thing we had experienced ever like we, we'd known music to that point by listening to headphones listening to it on you know on the stereo we we could not fathom that that was how loud that sound was meant to be in real life mm. and so once mm. we experienced that we all looked at each other and we're like what the hell was that it felt like an earthquake and then when the band came on and started and you know we, we, we liked the wedding present but they weren't our favorite band or anything they but it just absolutely blew our minds we could not understand that this is how live music this thing we love we love music but this this is how it was meant to be experienced in all its visceral glory really made a proper impact on us and it, it was something to this day I always remember and we you know I, I'm, I'm sure on some subconscious level I knew that I, I wanted more of this in some way even if it was just going to gigs sounds like that drum beat shook you pretty good, <laughs> <laughs> it shook pretty good. it's funny like I think of the West kids are like yeah, my first live concert was a Wiggles concert. And <laughs> not me, but I'm just saying. No. Um, They're from Australia. They, Oh, yeah. Yes. They were the highest oh, paid band in Australia for like a yeah. decade or Fruit something. Fruit salad. <laughs> yeah. Yummy, yummy. Still, it's a great yeah. song. Classic. Okay. It gets played in my Actually, wedding, pres- uh, wedding Present did a great cover of Fruit Salad <laughs> <laughs> in their 2001 studio album. They sold out. They sold out. I, do you know what I... Just, you were taking me back to like going to concerts early on because like we used to... Get, you'd go to like a civic center or like a town hall and see the local band. Yep. And I remember always on the way home when we'd find when you finally get into bed, the, the ringing in your ears. Yeah, yeah. You kind of miss. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I'd totally forgotten about that. You know, I'd be like, have at some friend's house. I'm like, you can can you hear that ringing? <laughs> <laughs> so when did you the scene really start to establish? And was it local or expats coming in? doing music oh it's always you know hong kong, there's always been pockets of people doing things so there were things developing on the local scene there was things developing amongst expat bands that's always happened but there was nothing that pulled any of these things together in in, in any kind of meaningful way um and i think one, one of the things that um you know was, was kind of a catalyst for me was when i ca- when i came back to hong kong after being away f- for university things were exactly the same as they were when I was a kid and there just wasn't there wasn't much happening and everyone was complaining about it and um, meanwhile you've been seeing some music shows meanwhile I, I've been seeing some music shows but also I, I, um, I I'd always kind of played in bands and I, my route into the kind of music industry was was the, the kind of failed musician route so when I was in the UK I, I, uh, I went to a very sm- I, I went to university in Bath which is a very sm- 
a very small city. It, it, and it's, it's much like Hong Kong in many ways. It, it wasn't, you know, we played in a band and it, it, it's, it's, no, it's, it's no big deal to be, um, you know, a slightly more medium-shaped fish in that kind of pond. That is the first so time I think anyone has ever compared the medium-sized <laughs> town of Bath, England <laughs> to Hong Kong. Yeah. I see it now. Yeah. I see it. Dim sum everywhere. <laughs> totally. It's the neon. It all comes down to the neon. Ironically, here no one can afford a bath. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Baths and ovens. Yeah. Oh my god. People have an oven. Oh my god. I, don't, I would marry anyone who had an oven in Hong Kong. That is a massive draw. Because Martin Hague's there now. I was talking to her yesterday. We, we've got a we've got a we've got a magnetic Asia out out clave in, in Bath. Martin's Hayes, uh, Martin Hayes there. Jay, our one of our co-founders, is there. Oh no is, way! Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 we're he, taking he, him from the west country. He's trying to get me to go visit. It actually, looks like a nice place. Looks it's, like it's an place. amazing place, but it's, it's it's the the music scene, much like it is here, was was in more, uh, is is small, and um and in developing stages. So. Anyway, uh, following university, we decided to take a year off and j- just do music. And um, who's we? Uh, the band I was in, 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 in which UK is called uh, we, uh, Blur. <laughs> Blur. <laughs> and, just a little something. And you played the just a small band <laughs> called the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> what did you play? Uh, we were, well, as in what instrument? Instrument. Yes. Um, I, I played the guitar. Nice. And um, so we. We're fortunate in that, on a, on an indie level, we got we got signed very quickly. We got a production deal. We got a, a label deal. We were um, we were touring nationally. All these things that, for me, as this kid from Hong Kong, it, it was kind of the dream. This was the dream. Even when we were playing, you know, what they call the toilet circuit, these kind of small little venues all around the country. I, I love that. I, I properly loved every moment of it. Um, and I kind of talked the, the label we were assigned to to g- giving me a, a, a job. So I was interested in the industry and I wanted to learn more. So I started working there and, and learning how the industry worked. And that's um, not the regular route for someone in a band that's been signed. <laughs> like, this is great. Could you guys, could I get a job, you know, the back end maybe, maybe, somewhere? Maybe that was the Hong Kong kid in me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do I explain this to my parents? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how can I get support for this? I enjoy the term toilet circuit. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, I would say, and Andy would agree with me on this, that we proudly have a toilet circuit here in Hong Kong on and the comedy else. scene. The plumbing That's might it. be That's out. It. The plumbing That's might it. be out. When the bar is so small that you can hear the flushing from the stage. I, I, in my world, have dealt with a lot of music promoters, and a lot of them have done some pretty big stuff. Um, and comedy is always a bit different, but comedy certainly... The toilet circuits, the best part. They're the best rooms. They're yeah. the, they're the great live experience. No question yeah. about 100%. it. In, intimate. There and yeah, yeah. That's 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 where you have pro- proper feedback. Right? And when I talk to these guys, like some of the older dudes who've done like like there's one guy we work with who's Neil Thompson. He runs uh, Neil Thompson. You know Neil Thompson. Yeah. So he's, he's done everything. Him. He's yeah. done like Michael Jackson. You know he's done. Um, the biggest acts in the world and you know you talk to him he, he likes to talk about doing in excess million years ago in the smallest venues that they ever played like that was what he wants to chat about but yeah th- th- those are the good th- that's that's where the memories are made right but it, but it, it, it was fully so we, we we did that year i was working for the label and then so the first year went really well super fun we decided to do another year and by the end of that second year i could feel that things had kind of plateaued the shows weren't getting bigger and everything I was learning at the label was teaching me or showing me that actually if you weren't on this certain path it was just it was just not impossible to for us realistically to break through and, and make it in any meaningful way so I didn't want to be a bitter 30 year old bitching about this in, in, in the musician's pub so I decided it was time to come back to Hong Kong um, and come home and when I came back home what was so eye-opening was that nothing had changed it was exactly the same as when I left and musically musically and so rather than complain about that I thought well actually um, we can change this we what year are we talking here uh, so I, I came back in the early 2000s um, okay so post handover post handover yeah I was, I was yeah yeah post handover so was, but Hong Kong was still you know there was a lot going on in the city but culturally speaking it, not much had changed at all and and one cannot live on Cantonese opera alone. No, no, <laughs> you know? that attitude. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and, so, and so it was very, you know, I, I actually saw it as a massive opportunity. I thought, well, all the things that 
because at the same time I was, I was pretty despondent about the state of the industry in the UK. I thought, well, this this is, you know, there's all these gatekeepers, there's all these structures, there's all these ways of doing things, and it just didn't feel it didn't it didn't feel right to me. And um, here, everything was open. There's this delicious grey area where there's no rules, and you can kind of just try stuff and do things, and if it works, great. If the city will give you a chance and I just started connecting the dots and trying to fill in the little holes that we could see that were were around so we started doing shows and very small small shows in in small venues and and, and slowly built them up and then I met um, Mike and Jay who um, we, we all had a really shared vision about what um, what would be fun to do and that was to kind of you know th there wasn't a festival in Hong Kong that that w was of the kind that we thought it needed it was the kind that we were missing and the kind that um, we thought could really make could just give people some 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 fun and, and, and shared inspiration and so we set about doing one and did you at the time were you, was it a one off or what did you have in uh, mind we didn't, we didn't have we didn't have How big were your of doing it no no tiny we, we, the, one of the things that really bound us together was the fact of we're talking about clock and flat this became the, clock yeah, and so flat so this is clock and flat this was kind of 2008 i guess good year good year <laughs> and was that when you uh, turned 10 uh no i was <laughs> that was uh just sophomore year of high school Really? Yeah. God damn it. Oh, I'm a baby. <laughs> I'm a toddler. Here cut you are mic. sitting at this table pretending you're an equal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so inferior. <laughs> you fucking child. Oh, oh look. Oh, look. That <laughs> toy where you... <laughs> oh, look. The wooden blocks that you slide along the curvy track. I'll do this for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It, one of the things that really bound us together was like, let's let's just let's just be completely sincere and authentic in terms of what we're trying to achieve. And we don't have big budgets, so let's just do the best small festival on low budget that we possibly can do and just be happy with that. Let's, let's just create the very best experience we can at the financial level that we are capable of doing and not overshoot, not promise to do anything that we're not going to do. Just, just You're like the something. opposite to every festival promoter <laughs> ever. A hundred percent. Be happy, happy with So you, you went like, we're going to fly in tanks <laughs> on helicopters and get oh, a yeah. big band that's ever. Yeah, my cousin knows how to fly a helicopter. He can do it. Yeah. I'm sure Beyonce will be fine with this once we've marketed her. Dude, we don't need Beyonce. We need bigger. How did you, did you, did you feel like you had the network? Did, did the first year, did you yeah. get big bands? Like, no, no, we got small, we got small bands. That, that, that was the whole thing. So we knew from the very start, okay, we, we, looking down the road, we will not be able to compete on budget. And we will, someday, someday if this goes well, somewhere down the line, someone is going to come in with, 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 with a bigger budget. They'll be able to bring in bring a band. So, <coughs> Live nation. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole theory was, let's, let's create something that's not dependent on, on that lineup. Let's create, let's create, Let's create this experience, this experience that we we um, define as clock and flap. And one of the reasons that that word came about is we wanted some we wanted something unique that wasn't tied to to anything else, but would just describe what this thing was. And so for us, that thing was let's just bring together all the things we love. Let's bring together music, art, at the time, film, food, people, family, all these things, silliness, and 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 just find like find a like-minded community even if it's small just find that like-minded community and give something for us all to s just celebrate and take our shoes off on, on the grass for a while just hang out were there any festivals in particular that you had in mind as you sort of uh, I, th I think we take influences from all over the place but there, there wasn't there wasn't there wasn't anything we wanted to replicate because we knew that sure um, i just mean like like burning man is obviously a unique idea that, that you cannot get a permit for that in hong kong <laughs> they have like mainland china has its own wannabe burning man uh -huh. i think it's called dragon burn or something have you heard about this yeah and they burn they burn a big dragon yeah okay yeah i think there's a lot less drugs at that one <laughs> if i had to guess yeah no i haven't been a lot more selfies <laughs> And, and that, so I, I guess we were also very super conscious at the beginning that we wanted to create something that was of, 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 of and for this city. And so it, it, it was for sure going to take influences from everywhere we'd come across, but then try and meld that into something that made sense for here. And, and so it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was 
proudly small to begin with, and not not because we had any expect expectations of how it was going to grow, just that we thought that that was the most realistic and actually sensible and sustainable ways of, 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 of doing it at the beginning. And how quickly did you get to the feeling that you'd bitten off more than you can chew? Ah, well, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we're always we're always reaching still and 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 that's 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 the fun part for sure like that that that's 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 what we everyone involved in this has this nat natural inclination to want to push things as far as we can but to the degree that pushes things in a in a, in a in a wholly sincere and sustainable way so we will never go out and make a promise to something that we don't think we can deliver but we will comfortably go out and 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 present something that 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 makes us push ourselves, maybe that creatively or, or whatever, in in a way that we think is going to result in a better experience for, for people coming to the to the event. If if you could, in like five points, describe the difference to me between the first clock and flap and the last one that's happened, what would be like the five oh, biggest? I was going to even ask the first one and the second one. Was there a big difference <laughs> between the first and the second one? We we well, of course, we we learned a ton in that first one, and so. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut his point <laughs> off because it was a good question, but I was, that's where yeah, I was going great, with it yeah. as well. It's, 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 a, it's a great question. And, okay, so the main thing about it is from, from, from the, the very beginning to now, the vision behind the festival hasn't changed one iota. It's exactly the same. The only thing that's changed is the scale. We're still there to get so women. That's <laughs> it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> exactly what sets uh, up. Uh, there was a high five. You might not have heard that on the podcast. I'll, but I'll, I'll edit it. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, and what we, we learn over the time is how, how, we can, how we can better equip ourselves to deal with that scale. Because every time you grow in scale, there's, there's different challenges involved. And, you know, when we first started this festival, one of the major challenges we had was this, there, wasn't, there wasn't a culture of festivals. And so when you talk about festivals in Hong Kong... Even still to this day, if we went downstairs now and polled 100 people, I'd wager 90, 90 of those people would, would have voted for Biden. <laughs> they <were> f <laughs> <laughs> so they deserve a high five. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 90 of those people would, if you, if, you, if you just said the word festival, the first thing that would conjure would be the Dragon Boat Festival or the yep. Bun Festival. Sure. Or something that's yep. not in the, in the creative cultural space, but in, 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 in a more, I don't know, in a more... In a more heritage space or in a more yeah I, I, a different kind of festival and, and so ch ch changing that kind of consensus of, of, of what what a cultural and, and creative arts festival can be takes time culture change takes time and and so we've been on this journey of that which is which which, which, which has taken time <laughs> and so we, we, we and, and that goes for everything in terms of public perception but also in terms of how how things are licensed and how you know everything every everything kind of comes back to that point and and as we do it more people get used to it more there's more awareness and but it's still something that we're, we're actively trying to grow all the time because because we need to was there anything that like really didn't work that you tried we're comedians so failure is our favorite thing <laughs> that's all we do every week what really didn't work to grumpy rooms. Well, let, let me try so, another track to, to get you on the path. Because, like, mm. I totally understand what you're saying about being, like, basically, I, th I think what you were saying was you don't promise things you can't deliver, but you promise things that you haven't delivered yet. Is that a fair mm. statement? Well, at the beginning, for sure. Yeah, and, yeah. and, like, I have gone through that process in uh, promoting and gotten to points where I, I was like, oh, there's a major thing that I didn't think of. Like, just, like, when I booked uh, Eddie Izzard in Shanghai, and we put two comedians to do ticketing for 750 people that had to pick up tickets on the door, and they didn't even, like, order the tickets, and it was a fucking train wreck. <laughs> like, it was... The, and the show nearly got shut down with Eddie there, because the cops had... We had, we'd had a curfew. And 750 people were very angry. And you know these, like... You know when you get to work with these, like, roadies? They just... They just fix anything. And this dude, the venue manager, just walked out and he just went, rr, 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 spoke to the security guy, grabbed one person in the line and went, follow him and snaked 750 people through, 
to security and just walked the entire room in, sat it, locked the doors, and we started it in 10 minutes. <laughs> do you have That's like... I, I, but I, you know what I'm talking about? I'm where you're like, I can do this, and then you get there and you're like... Yeah. Oh, this so is what happened more. when you booked Eddie Izzard? Yeah. Oh, dude, he's booked <laughs> oh, bigger acts than that. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, that was the second year. Yeah. <laughs> I got Izzard in the second I, year. I, I, so, Touch, we, we, we've not had the... the, the train wreck experience yet but but also thankfully because now it's not all left to we, we've got far smarter people in our team than and you get experienced people yeah. in the crew right and, and 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 it's amazing you know our, our executive producer matt people like mike mike they're, they're very process oriented and and they um we we go far above and beyond what even the the kind of local um i guess conditions are for doing an event just because we feel we want the event to be at an international standard but i'm trying to think of something funny <laughs> it doesn't have and to I be can't. funny i mean it's just those mo- I, I mean i'm more interested in those moments where you try and tackle a big thing and you know it's nice when you can I mean, we do this all, i mean e- even just recently um you know we, we, we launched this music platform called clock and flat music and 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 that's nothing like uh, there's no part of that that naturally was, personally speaking, in terms of something that feels like it's something I can do in terms of hosting like a kind of online radio show. It's, 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 that's completely something that has high potential for complete train wreckness. But we approach it with this with this oh, thinking of saying, <laughs> <laughs> let's just start everything small, try and grow it organically, figure out. And, and go into it with the knowledge that we're going to learn a lot by 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 doing it, and and the process of doing it and experimenting, and we're so lucky, you know, to get to do this as our jobs. We we get to come in and and, and, and experiment. Let's, let's let's try and make a radio show. Amazing. Okay, I'm not the the most natural host <laughs> to do that, but I'm more than happy to give it a go and 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 learn as I'm going and. And try to figure out what 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 works and what doesn't work, or what might resonate, and and it, that has high potential to be massive, kind of pie in the face style stuff. But it, it it's 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 in, in the bigger picture, if if it, it fits so well with our mission of just trying to keep sharing and introducing great music to great people, and so I'm more than happy to to do that, despite mm. my uncomfortableness, kind of in, in as you can tell behind a microphone. I'm writing down great music for great people because that's <laughs> that's good. That when you d- is that like is that on the wall somewhere in here? Like our vision, our mission. Do you have your mission on the wall? It's a big thing. You got to put the vision and the mission on the wall. Yeah, and I would then put make great everybody music for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would start a, a and it would just be all of Andy's favorite bands and the entire <laughs> population of Hong Kong standing there going. No one else knows. No, no. Have <laughs> you? Uh, what's your favorite act you've brought out? What's some of the ones that you really enjoyed? Um, again, because each one has got, there's a backstory to pretty much almost every act that is booked and why. And, and, and this very, you know, the, the, the festival is super interesting because it's, it's all about trying to, well, for me, it's all about trying to create this balance and kind of like what we talked about earlier about this festival being in and for the people of Hong Kong and, 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 and this in the city like uh, f- right from the beginning have wanted the, the, the programming the lineup to reflect that in terms of this kind of melding of East meets West this kind of merging of kind of classic influences but also really kind of emerging kind of new artists all, all these things come to play and so every, I, I, I take I really take so much pleasure from all parts of that spectrum and it, I, I, it's really difficult to figure out. Or, or just or name a <laughs> band that you enjoyed <laughs> that you saw at okay. one of your festivals. I know, I know the answer to this one. I know the answer to this one. Well, well the, the other thing I should say is I actually don't get to see many bands from at, at our festival. Yeah, that this sucks. is this yeah. is the thing is like people will ask me questions. They're like, "Oh my god, you get to do stand up comedy? That's amazing!" And sometimes it is amazing. Sometimes it is like an experience. And sometimes it is just a job. It is Thursday night. I don't want to be here. I'm going to get up on stage and make them laugh for twelve and a half minutes, and I'm not going to enjoy it. 
it. And even you, though I'm killing, even though even though, having the time even though the on. thing is like I'm standing there being like, oh my god, it's Thursday. And when you're running something, like you're there six hours before everyone and twelve hours after everybody I'm leaves. There weeks before, and it's like festival. Yeah, I've run a lot of events with my mom, like big fundraisers and stuff, and it's like. Everyone comes and then they're like saying, oh, my mom, to my mom, they're like, oh, this is amazing. You did such a good job. You should feel proud of yourselves, right? And then the minute they all leave, my mom just starts chain smoking because she's <laughs> fucking exhausted from the day. Yeah. It's yeah, exhausting. I, I can't tell you the, the thing I've, I've uh, the artists I've loved the most because there's so many, but I can definitely pinpoint the time I, I liked the least, which was the time that I played at Clock and Flat. <laughs> oh, I was wow. miserable because the whole time in my head, I was just thinking about all the other things I should have been doing at that time or all the other things going on that I had to, it, it's, it, it's impossible to disassociate yourself from the organizer head and just be in the moment of, 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 of playing. It's, it's, it, that 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 was that was miserable so i yeah it doesn't answer your question at all <laughs> what what countries have you had acts from represented from and are there any countries you're trying to get acts from going forward I, I, I definitely do not think in geographical terms but the acts we we don't have act artists from tend to be ones we cannot get visas for so was that an issue? Who an can't issue get visas for Hong Kong? It's very difficult to get working visas for uh, people from Vietnam, for example, in Hong Kong. Really? Yeah. And his, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. The boat people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a performing visa, though. And so we, we've had artists in the past where we really, really desperately have wanted to present certain artists, and uh, we've... It's just not being possible. The immigration department here, though, you do get a dialogue with them, which is oh, a little yeah, bit different. Yeah. And did no, you, and, 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 and have you gone to bat for any and gotten across the line? Uh, we've not been able to get anything across the line in terms of what is not their, their, their standard protocol. Really? Whereas, whereas, whereas what I say is so good about this system is that it, it, it is a, a, a process that works in terms of we know how long it takes to get a visa. We're, we're certainly able to to expedite visas when we need to, and they've been very very um, helpful on that front. But in terms pretty of pretty easy to get them for for good for developed countries. Super for easy. Super Hong easy. Kong is yeah. for performance is ridiculously easy. Yeah. Can yeah. You just try mainland China. Yeah. Should, <laughs> oh my yeah. god, it's just a totally different process. In fact, Hong Kong's. One of the easiest in Asia. I think Singapore is probably the only one that's easier. Yeah. Singapore's a lot easier, to be fair. Singapore, you just show up. If you're an American, you can just show up. Um, but, like, Japan is hard. Korea is hard. You got to get, like... China's the hardest because you got to have the scripts approved. So, you got to have them translated. You got to get... I guess getting artists to commit to it. I guess it's different with bands. But with, it's with not comedians for, 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 for mainland China, it's the same because the ministry. No, of but I mean, getting a band to commit to a script, you'd be like, we're going to play these no. eight songs. It's a little easier than being like comedian being like, I'm going to do these 30 jokes. Yeah, because <laughs> the number one rule for comedians is we always know everything we're going to say yeah, before we get on stage. Yeah, but that's why they don't give licenses anymore for that's, stand up. Hey, from their perspective, that was a smart choice. Totally makes sense. Good for them. Yeah. Proud of them. Um, so I had, I guess you know Archie Hamilton. I do. I, do. I had him on uh, on a podcast years okay. ago, and uh, his experiences as a promoter were a little different. You yes, know. he's 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 he's, got, he's he's been on more of a roller coaster than I have. But we we yeah yeah Archie's great. He's he's one of the when I first started doing shows here, the, 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 those kind of small intimate shows that we talked about at the beginning. Um, he was one of the persons I, I really connected with because he was doing very similar things in China, and we were both we were both trying. So we we ended up kind of creating this circuit at that level of artists and and, and doing a lot of yeah we 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 worked together a lot. Yeah, he's a real pioneer for for uh, concerts in in Shanghai and in uh, China, and it's one of the big things for him is is like he'd be like you know, oh you know uh, this artist got busted at the airport for drugs and, you know, didn't show up and I've got a crowd there screaming for most deaf or whatever. And that to me is that world, that, that insane world of music promotion. I mean, it's, it's, and putting huge amounts of tickets on sale and, you know, it's when sales don't come in soft. It is. We, we, we always believe that we, we, we would never risk more than we can afford to lose. And so... It, that makes you unique in the world of promoting, <laughs> I believe. 
there's different approaches, but the, the major difference in mainland China is that the, the, the especially especially when Archie was starting out, is the goalposts can just move at any stage and move considerably from day to day. So what what what's the biggest act you've brought out? You know, we talked about Mumford and Sons at one point, but Halsey was supposed to come. I was excited. Who was that? Halsey. Oh right, right. Yeah. Halsey yeah, was yeah, supposed to come. Year. Yes. Or a big one. Um, I mean, I mean. Was there anyone you were like, "Fuck! I can't believe we got that." All the time, we we punch above our weight. We punch so far above our weight. That Which is one of the things about being recognize. a pioneer and being in a place where it's not a, an established hundred you know, market. So even in the early days, when when I was doing those small shows, and maybe this is something that like Neil Thompson would relate to, but we we were doing shows in. Grappa Cellar, an Italian pizza restaurant or an Italian restaurant. Where I love their carbonara. <laughs> Arabiata all the way. Yeah. But, but, it, but it, it, we, we had artists like um, Jose Gonzalez. Or oh, Rabbit wow. Hat, or, or like, uh, or, uh, you know, a whole raft of artists who had not played a smaller show for years. And I, I would be there standing like, what an absolute privilege this is to be in this space with them, in, in, with just 300 other people. And, and that, 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 that's so special. It's so special. And we, we, from that level up even to the festival, where the festival punches show, so far above its weight in terms of what we can honestly afford in terms of budget, um, because artists really want to play the festival. Because it, 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 it's really registered and established itself as being a, a key kind of taste-making event where the artists who play Clock and Flap tend to get all the bookings for all the other festivals in, in, in Asia and, and beyond the years afterwards. So it, you know, it, in pure terms of how much, on the type of artist that we get, they're far bigger than the ticket price and capacity warrants, which is what a lot of people do not understand. They don't. Oh, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's absurd. And it's why when, when we re- re- release our lineup, we, we, we trend on Twitter in places like Japan because it's like, oh, my Lord, you get all these artists for this price in the middle of the city? That's it. It's, it's insane. Yeah. The economics of like an established market, like yeah. a Coachella or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the amount of risk that they take on putting on the show. I remember, do you know who Andrew Bull is? Yeah, yeah. So I had him. He's I did Kong Royalty. Right, okay. On the, on the well, so he lived in Shanghai for a long time, and, and I had him on the podcast, and he, he said the last show that he ran was Celine Dion in Hong Kong, and it lost so much money. Sorry, who? Andrew Bull ran... No, the lady? Celine. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, and it was just such a thing that people, the promoters just understand intimately, and I think people just don't get is like, they saw a packed show of her killing. What they didn't see was the third of the arena that had been curtained off because they didn't sell the tickets. And these guys are standing in the box just losing their ass. And he's like, never, that was the last show I ever ran. He's like, never ran a show after that. But he also ran like an iconic nightclub here as well. Uh, yeah, he did, he did a ton. And I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure he's been on the roller coasters of the, of those ups and downs. Whereas, we, but that's what promoting is. How are you navigating this business differently <laughs> to everybody because else? Because we're super risk averse when it comes down to it. Actually, like we we we're, we're, we're. But do you find it hard to compete? Because there's other people doing festivals now. You know. Um, no, because I, I, this is when Andy plugs his music festival that he's decided <laughs> no, to I'm launch. Not touching that. Oh my god, that's I don't have the stomach for it. dude. Music festivals. It's like if you have a huge corporation, but all of your revenues are you know planned to come out of one week of the year. You make or break your your year. Yes, yes. in a week. Totally. And and the th- the thing is, we welcome it because that that's the thing. Like I was talking about earlier, where we didn't have this culture of festivals in the early days. Well, and actually still to a degree, we go out and market what a festival is. We're not yet at the level where we can market what is the difference between Clock and Flap and all these other festivals. We, Which is a gift. Well, <laughs> it's a gift in some respects, but I actually think we're, we will be in a better place position when we can market what is the difference between Clock and Flap and all these other festivals happening. I think all those other festivals, I think more festivals happening, more people creating a, a, a bigger pie helps helps us yeah i think it gives us a point of differentiation i think it gives a context and i think so i I, yeah but the reality is the reality is it's super hard and it's super difficult also really what you face is that those other promoters are not grassroots promoters 
and yes. they're bringing in relationships that will block you out of business. But this is this is more about Andy's bringing up some drama from the past no, here. No, 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 no. This is the fucking business, global business of dude. AEG, Live Nation. They are they. If you don't go with them, they can be brutal against. This is not the business that I work in, but the music side of that business yeah. is fierce, and they they leverage their size to crush grassroots promoters. It, it can be. That's how it works. And what? But one of the opportunities that's coming, and this is especially this convergence of different factors that have. That, that have converged at the same time is that in, in, in Asia there are a few spots and there are very few spots of like this in the world there's, there's New York is one of these and, and where you have you have places where actually the independent promoters have enough leverage and enough clout that the agents and the artists and the managers understand that there's the importance of letting those scenes Virgin, even if not flourish, at least at least. Sure, at least and, and there are lots of stories of them backing them. You know, the, the collaboration works out. So really I'm, well. I'm, I'm, you know, the, the fact is, on up from the the grassroots to the mid scale, we we still are. We're in an okay position. Yeah, and I but think I, well, the one thing that we haven't really touched on that I think is probably answers why you have more stability than others is you guys have a great ticketing business. Oh really? What's your ticketing business called? <laughs> Subtle transition, seamless. <laughs> well, our, our ticketing business has just been renamed Total Ticketing Solutions. Total Ticketing and, Solutions. And, and Wait, Ticket Flap's gone? Well, no, Ticket Flap is there. Ticket Flap is still there, but t- t- Ticket Flap is one of the brands within Total Ticketing. Oh, and oh they've ticketed up. We've up ticketed. It's like a tongue twister. We've up ticketed the ticketing of Total Ticketing Transitions. But it's right, right. You know. <laughs> That's their new advertising campaign is just people trying if to say the name say of the company. If you say name, you can work for We've us. We've up tickled tickety tickety tick tick tickles. <laughs> tickle mick tick tick. Come tickle tickles with the ticketing. T- <laughs> <laughs> true. And, and from the early days of, uh, you know, Mike, one of our co-founders, he, he, he ran his own tech company before he was doing this. So really the, the, that side of things has been ingrained in our DNA right from the beginning. And you know, we started the ticketing company or the ticketing side to the company because there weren't the modern day solutions that we felt Hong Kong needed. I agree on and so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> and so we built it. And it, 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 it's, it's the same ethos with the festival. There wasn't a festival that we thought should exist, so we built it. And, and, and the ticketing side has really taken a life of its own. And, and, and that's the amazing thing. And that now is going into being able to provide these kind of white label or what we call ETS um, solutions where we can power other people's ticketing. Effectively, everything we do, we've had to build it ourselves because we need it. And then the idea is to to offer that out to other people so they can make use of it too. And the ticketing is, is, is exactly the same. And so in the same way, ticketing has now become something where we, we, we power various other people's um, you know, branded ticketing shop fronts uh, all across the city but all across the region and, and, and that's only going to grow and, and that's the next step of that is then to integrate the kind of live streaming part and um, yeah, the kind of I think we've been well placed in that we, we haven't had so much of a legacy decades of being classic promoters we've approached this from saying what can we do here and now and be super open-minded about how we move forward with that and understand that actually with this group of people under this roof we can kind of do um all 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 sorts of things and if it makes sense to try let's 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 try it do you feel i'm just looking around they had cigarettes the Icelandic, um, I'm probably not saying it right, but they're this wonderful hypnotic Icelandic band. And when I was in high school, my dear friend Brian Fanning got very into them. And I remember after I listened to the music, I went back to him and we were such nerds. I was just like, are you smoking weed too? <laughs> and he was like, and he literally said to me, no, wait, what? And I was like, because that's what you smoke. That's what you listen to when you smoke weed. <laughs> I didn't know. We were 15. No one slept with us. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, they've had so many people here. You just look at so Seth's just looking at the post. He's realized the posters on the walls of yes, people they've brought out. Has COVID been the hardest thing you guys have had to deal with? Actually, no, I wouldn't say so. I'd say the what was the hard? What was harder than COVID? In the beginning, doing what we did was 
it was as close to being impossible without literally being impossible. Mm. It was so difficult to try and create something like Clock and Flat because there was no, there was no process. There were no, uh, there was no pathway for us to do it. So we we had to, f you know, we have to we had to basically. F Pioneer and follow this way forward, where the, where the, where there wasn't a path, and so so th those those days were very difficult, and just not having the consistency or the or the availability of of, of, of venues is, is is a massive challenge in Hong Kong. Oh, it's crazy! The shortage of venues here. The, insane. We I just did a unit with my kids in school on Canto Pop, and we kept watching all these songs. And one of the kids said, "Are all those songs in the same place?" And they are. They're all in Hong Kong Stadium. Which yeah. is this big stadium where every Canto pop star does their their big concert and then their twenty year return to the big stage. So you know, so we saw Hack and Lee and Andy Lau, and that's it. And we were watching the videos. And part of the assignment usually with the kids is I make them go look up Canto pop performances. And they came back to me and they were like, "It's the only place that does music." I was like, "I'm sure there's other places, but yeah, you, there's no room here for a big thing except capitalism. That's the only one." <laughs> now it, that just reminded me that. Last year, there was two weeks in this city where the protests went from being a thing that we felt safe around to just being an absolute yep. like, nightmare popping at, up everywhere. At the, the university standoff. Exactly. That's when Clock and Flap was supposed to be. And I remember it because I was so excited about going. That's such a stressful thing to go. And that's what I'm talking about, this music promotion stuff, is like you've got all your year built into this thing that's coming up. And how hard was it to make that decision not to go ahead? Is it like giving birth every year? It's like you build it for a year. No, because you can love the festival unconditionally. Oh, no. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. You're not standing there going, this was a mistake. This was a mistake. Like, well, that one's ugly. <laughs> I get more stuff from Andy's past. Oh. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it was super tough. You know, our take on it or our policy was we we were gonna push forward for as long as we were able to push forward and hope yep. that we, we, we could realize this event because we thought we thought more than ever the city it needed it the right? city needed it and yeah we could really do with people coming together and actually music you know really is one of the most universal art forms it really would have brought people together for for a moment that, that we could have all done with um but ultimately, the decision was taken out of our hands. So, you know, it, it got to a point where it just wasn't it just wasn't tenable. And so, you know, we were told it's not tenable. Mm. And then, and, and, and so once that happens, did the decision get made for you? Yeah, I mean, not just like I mean, like literally, did someone say like, yeah, this is up? Yeah, okay. Yes. And we had we had a lot of support up until that point. And I think everyone everyone. Did I was I was very it was actually it was it was actually Carrie Lamb. He got a personal phone call from Carrie Lamb. She was very polite. She was excited for Halsey. She was sitting on a pile of money. Sitting on a pile of pile money. Of cash. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's and, and it sucks that like COVID and protests, that's two years in a row. That's two years in a row. So we're we're very much looking forward to we we've got a lot of pent up um, desire to to and I think I think I think the city does and I, and I think having a real moment where we can kind of all explode <laughs> kind of collectively in joy and inspiration will, is, is, is much needed. What do you hope to see at that next festival? Well, you know, all we keep hearing is, is this kind of pent-up demand and that people want... And we've seen it. Every time things, you know, restrictions relax a bit, the, the, people are hungry. Mate, we were sold out. Yeah. When we were running, we were just selling out. We sold out like I don't know, eight weeks in a row. Yes. So I, It was I really, a great time. Yeah, amazing. And... and, and I want people not to take those opportunities for granted. Like it, it's so, it, it gets to a stage where, from where I come from, you know, we talked in the beginning about the early days, we didn't have these opportunities. And since then, you know, we've had a generation of kids who've grown up with something like clock and flap that, that didn't exist before. And it gets to a stage where people actually don't necessarily um, appreciate what that opportunity is because these things are, what this year has shown us is that things can change instantly and events like clock flap like the comedy like all these things they give real opportunity to elicit lifetime memories 
and really have these 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 moments that can't be they can't be replicated and they can't they, they're only experienced when you're there yourself in these moments and so I, I, i'm really hoping that next year we make the most of them in in whatever shape they may come what, what whatever event that might be or whatever connection that might be people people take those chances to connect and 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 and, and be together and enjoy some collective inspiration yeah, that's what i'm hoping can i i'm gonna <laughs> no that's great personal question if you just you purely for you planned out the docket on clock and flap who would be on your personal oh, clock I'm and flap i was just gonna ask that same question no you yeah. weren't you no, liar <laughs> you liar similar, similar. but if you if you were just like based on your playlists of your well i was gonna say who do you want to see on there that you haven't gotten yet yeah Dream big. Well, I, well, the thing is, I'm not. I'm, not, you know, the, the, the <laughs> here we are. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. You know what I'm going to say. So Mumford and Sons. Yeah, Mumford and Sons. But the, the the bigness of the artist is of no consequence to me. So if you if you if you told me to dream of anything, I would probably choose this. I would choose a lineup that wouldn't correlate to ticket sales, because sure. But the that's whole thing the question. About being a yeah, promoter that's the yeah. question. Yeah. Who's on that lineup? Yeah. Just for you. <laughs> Just for you. Well, I'll tell you. So last year, two acts that didn't play that would have been the best thing that ne- never got to happen in Hong Kong was was the Idols and King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard mm. <laughs> shows. Those. What excites me as as a promoter, and when I said when I talked about not being able to watch many shows at the festival itself, is the moments I get at the festival. I watch the crowd, and being able to program stuff that you know. 100% is going to blow people's minds. That's, that's, it's super rewarding. Mm-hmm. So those acts would be on the bill. Can, can you say that? Did you stutter or was it three izzard rhyming words? King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. You King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. King Gizzard yeah. and the Lizard They're Wizard. They're from Melbourne. Oh yeah, there you go. Melbourne's got a great live music scene. Justin, thank you so much for coming out today, coming on today. Oh, it's been awesome. Thank it you. was fascinating to hear about the development of it. And I got to tell you, I cannot wait for 2021 Clock and Flap. It's going to be the bomb. 